Most of us, probably not all of us, but most of us, have at one point or another in our lives found ourselves feeling stuck, feeling as though we have no decent options, uh, nothing we can do. Perhaps you've been in some sort of a mess with no real idea of how you're going to get out of it, or you, you hate your job, but you can't, you can't take a cut in income because you've got responsibilities and you just feel stuck and don't know how to go. You're in a relationship with someone who's sucking you in, you're realizing it's crazy and crazy and crazy and you just can't seem to figure out a way to get out of it. Uh, at any rate, many of us know that terrible, enraging, impotence, depressive feelings when there just don't seem to be options in life. And, and for those of you who have not known that feeling, you are greatly blessed and, and give thanks to God because it's a, it's, a, it's a horrible feeling. But the gospel today, our Easter gospel, has something to say to us when we feel as though we don't have really any good options. It has to do with, it has to do with the church, actually. It has to do with, with binding and being unbound. Uh, the, the, today is the second Sunday of Easter, or the eighth day of Easter, which means we've got 42 days to go until Pentecost, 50 days after Easter, uh, which we traditionally celebrate the pouring out of the Spirit and the birthing of the church, the community. But in John's Gospel, in John's Gospel, that happens in the resurrection. The first thing Jesus does is breathe on the disciples and give them the Holy Spirit. Any sins uh, you forgive are forgiven them, and any sins that you retain are retained. He gives the community of the Spirit the capacity to bind and unbind. Uh, and, and the church has something to say about those times when we are feeling bound or feeling stuck. And in addition to being the second Sunday of Easter, today is also the, the day of our annual parish meeting. And what we've been talking about and will be talking about for years to come, I suspect, is, is the work of a strategic thinking group who basically said we're a worshipping community and we're formed or growing in Christian faith uh, through or by engaging God and neighbor. And this business of growing in Christian faith has something uh, we can say from today's gospel as well. See, growing in faith is not so much getting better at giving intellectual assent to dodgy propositions. There's nothing wrong with giving intellectual assent to Christian doctrine, but it's not fundamentally about that. When Thomas finds his way into faith, when Jesus encounters him in such a way that he can say, my Lord and my God, it's not because he's suddenly giving assent to something that was previously um, impossible for him. It's, it's more that he was an empiricist. And he saw the world, sees the world as it is. You all know the old thing, uh, an optimist sees the glass as half full and a pessimist sees the glass as half empty and an empiricist sees the glass as twice as big as it needs to be. You know, it's a, <laughs> Thomas is one of these guys, like, like many of us, he's, he just sees the world as it is and he's, he's not got that capacity to trust terribly easily when his friends say, we've seen the Lord. And it's not until he's encountered that he's given that capacity to trust when we say the creed, as we will in a few moments, this, this is an outline of the story of the faith. And it's worth thinking when we say, I believe or we believe, credo, it's, it's, uh, it's worth thinking about it as, I put my trust in God, the Father Almighty. I put my trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And if you try it that way, you might be getting closer to what it means to grow in Christian faith. Because what we're talking about is growing in our capacity to meet challenges in life growing in our capacity to meet challenges in life through grasping the reality of God's extraordinary, powerful, 
redemptive, a creative love. Some of you know the work of Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a psychiatrist, founded what was known as the fourth school of Viennese psychiatry after Freud and Jung and Adler. And he was in the camps, uh, including Auschwitz. He was a survivor of Auschwitz. And he developed his whole psychiatric theory after observing people's behavior in the camps. It was published first under, in a book with the really cheery, upbeat title of From Death Camps to Existentialism, and, and uh, then republished as Man's Search for Meaning. And he, but what he did was he saw people going to their death. Uh, some seemed to him to have given up. They were long dead. They were, they were walking around, but they, they, there was no spirit. And other people talk about being stuck. They were their lives were governed in every single way. They'd lost you know, hair and teeth and clothing and identity. And he said, but some people still manage to face death, concern for others, and face it with courage. In other words, he said, we, we have a capacity, a will to meaning, uh, a capacity to create meaning by how we respond to the circumstance of our life and how we always have some measure of choice. However however distorted our lives get, and however stuck we may feel, we have some measure of choice in how we respond to challenges when we're presented them. Now, another prisoner uh, from a different war, a later war, uh, some of you will remember Admiral Stockdale. He, he was a vice presidential candidate with um, Ross Perot a few years ago. But, but in Vietnam, he was the ranking military, American military prisoner. And um, he, they were threatened, apparently the story goes, they threatened to parade him around, put him on television, use him as a propaganda piece. And he disfigured himself so that he beat himself up, basically, so that he, he was all blooded and disfigured so that they couldn't really use him uh, in the ways they wanted to. He was tortured regularly, threatened. Uh, I mean, it was, it was really ghastly. Talk about no limits. Uh, no, uh, talk about no options. And he was asked afterwards, how did you survive? How did you do it? And he said something along the lines of, he did it by always believing that he would someday get out, by being clear how ghastly it was and taking into account the realities he was facing, not underestimating the, the length the war might take, for example, and knowing that at some point this terrible experience would be a formative one for him, that he would be able to make something of it later in his life. And then he was asked, well, who didn't make it? How come not everybody made it? He said, well, the ones who didn't make it were optimists. They were the ones who thought they'd be out. They knew they'd be out by Christmas and the war would be over. And then Christmas came and went. And then they knew they'd be out by Easter. And Easter came and went. Then they knew they'd be out by Thanksgiving. They kept getting disappointed because of their unrealistic expectations. And he said, and they didn't make it. They died. They died of broken hearts. See, we always have some kind of capacity to respond to reality, however bad it is, in a way that we can know that we are beloved. We can know something about the power of God. And growing in faith is growing in our capacity to trust. And in this community of the Spirit, we tell stories. We tell the stories of the church, stories of Jesus. We share stories of what God is doing in our lives. And we grow bit by bit and find ourselves just being able to be a little more free in the face of constrained circumstances, a little more generous in the face of fear. Um, we find ourselves growing 
in our capacity to make the choices that are appropriate for people who are beloved. Even when there's hardly anything left in life, we still choose how we face death because we know that death is not the last word. Love is the last word. And so we're a community of worship, growing in faith, growing in our capacity to trust through engaging God and neighbor. And as we grow in our capacity to meet those challenges, we do it remembering the source of our life, the love that made us for love. We don't have to sit by idly and just let things happen to us, but we do have to be realistic. And then we can make a choice that is part and parcel of what we're about because we've, been, we've received the Holy Spirit and been charged with proclaiming you need not be bound. You may be forgiven. And that's the good news that means we always have a choice, the good news of Easter people. So as ever, as we continue our response to the gospel, let us pray in silence, in gratitude, and in hope.